Restrictions may apply. Plans and costs for coverage may vary. Call Protect My Car for details. In these hard economic times, you've got to do whatever you can to save money. One of our biggest expenses can be our cars, especially when unexpected repair bills hit. Not anymore. If you do own a car, truck, or SUV made from $19.99 or higher, you could stop paying for car repairs. That's right. You might not have to pay a penny to have it repaired. Just dial star star 1149 on your mobile phone now to see if you qualify. You must have an automobile made from $19.99 or higher, and all Repairs for your engine, transmission, and much more can become a thing of the past. Dial star star 1149 on your mobile phone today and get your car protected before your next repair bill hits. That's right, total protection for your car and no more repair bills. Just dial star star 1149 on your mobile phone now to see if your car qualifies. That's star star 1149. Never pay for car repairs again. Just dial star star 1149 on your mobile phone now. Dial star star 1149. To the highway in a brand new day. Gotta let it go. So Fast to freedom. Welcome to this episode of Open the Voice Gate for August 2019. I'm your old pal, Iron Mike Spears, and I'm being joined, as always, by Case Lowe. Case, how's it going, dude? I am well tonight. I am winding down my summer with another episode of Open the Voice Gate and another big Dragon Gate show coming up this weekend. And we've got quite a bit to run down today. Yeah, so... It's been a it's been since Kobe World, but they've had five shows hit the network since Kobe World. So the, it's there's been a lot of stuff going on in the company as they're building up to Dangerous Gate. At least it feels like it's more hot now leading into this show than traditionally was the case. Yeah, and you know every year after World, you know they take a few weeks off. It's you know other than maybe New Japan, it's the most demanding schedule in Japan. They've earned those few weeks off, even though, you know, we had Natural Vibe show up in all Japan. Now Masaki Mochizuki's taking bookings elsewhere. But then they hit the ground running with a double shot in Fukuoka at the start of the month. They hit Korkin, they hit Kobe Samba Hall, they hit Kaito KBS Hall. And now we've got a big pay-per-view coming up in Tokyo on Saturday. Um, and although maybe the match quality um, hasn't been up to stuff the entire month, and although it feels like this Dangerous Gate is coming right off the heels of Kobe world. Uh, the past few shows have shown me that this company is ready for this show. They put a lot of thought and care into this show and I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah. Like that's the thing as we've gotten back into the swing of things, we are in what, at least what I consider kind of the hot season in dragon gate as now we're going to go straight from dangerous gate to gate of origin into gate of destiny and final gates. So everything's going to be coming kind of fast and furious, but even though like the match quality has not necessarily kept the same level as things were going with King of Gate going into Kobe World, I feel like storyline wise for like this about 
really two and a half week period they did a great job of starting some stories kind of get to a point with some other stories and continue some stuff going on that usually this is a show that has like one big match and then they kind of throw the rest of the card together but there's a lot of thought and care being put into this dangerous gate card yeah absolutely uh where do you want to get started do we want to start with the fukuoka double shot do we want to go and head straight into cork and <laughs> that's up to you where do you want to go with this well, uh, let's just really kind of touch on some of the big moments I would feel like during the August show. I mean, everything except for the uh, Kobe Sambo Hall and the KT and the KBS Hall shows are off the network, so we probably don't want to spend too much t on the Fukuoka shows. Was there anything that really stood out for you from this like afternoon, evening double shot, something that they don't do very often in Fukuoka? Yeah, it's something that they don't do often, but it looks like that's going to be the norm going forward. I just saw the September schedule, and on September 29th, they're doing another day-night doubleheader at the newer, smaller Fukuoka venue that replaces Hakata Star Lanes. Uh, the double shot at the start of the month, the only thing that stuck out to me, uh, there is a Shun Skywalker versus Genki Horiguchi singles match. That was fine on the day show. Same with the Binke versus Kaito Ishida match. That was good, not great. The only match of the double shot that I thought was great was the main event of the day show, which had the Tribe Vanguard team of Yamato, BB Hulk, Kai, and Yasuke Santa Maria uh, knocking off Eita, Big R Shimizu, Takashi Yoshida, and Yasushi Kanda. Uh, this match had an energy to it that I wasn't expecting. I rarely enjoy these teams, even on a big show, even when they're giving their best effort. So I wasn't expecting a ton of energy or effort to come out of this match. But I thought Yamato and BB Hulk in particular had really strong showings. I gave this match four stars. It's on the spreadsheet. And then the night show, I didn't think anything was bad, but I also didn't think anything was that good. It was a house show effort, three stars kind of across the board. And that was all there was to it. Yeah, it was kind of a interesting few weeks and i feel like what went on in fukuoka kind of went along with how i felt about the overall run so far and that's that there's a lot of stuff that kind of felt like i guess that it was reminiscent of how shows would be that felt like they were like kind of traditional heel face main events and actually like red feels like that over this, th these two shows put themselves into a really good kind of uh, feeling that because there was these constant matches that it later became a natural vibes against R.E.D. and they would have these really great main events that not necessarily are always spreadsheet level, but they've always been enjoyable over these shows. Like there's only one show so far in August I didn't like. Um, my favorite thing actually from the Fukuoka shows was the tag match between. Uh, the uh, maxim the uh, maximum team of Naruki Doi and Jason Lee versus Masaki Mochizuki and Keisuke Okuda from the afternoon show because I just thought it was just a really feisty one. I've always loved seeing Jason Lee and Masaki Mochizuki together. There's been a lot of just good solid Jason Lee stuff. If you're someone who really likes him going on here, and then I mean Okuda is one of the more interesting people in the promotion right now. At least in my opinion, especially with how things moved on into Corkin. And this kind of continued with that. I'm with you. There really wasn't a whole lot on the evening show. There actually was Ada and Shimizu facing uh, Susumi Yokosuka and Punch Tomonaga. That was probably my favorite match, which tells you how I felt about these shows if Punch Tomonaga was my favorite person on there. So 
Yeah, I, that's always a bit of an issue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a match. I'm looking at my notes right now where I have multiple times that I wrote down while this happened. And, okay, this we're through this. And it just was not very high on this. So I think we might as well just move on to the Corkin because at least there's some meat on the bone here. So Corkin was on August 7th. It was there during the Gate of Adventure and pulling up the attendance. It was 1611. It's down from July, but July, that, that was kind of seen as the big go home for Kobe World and not as many big matches here. I guess really Ultimo's first match in Dragon Gate in Tokyo could be seen as a big match, but I mean, and then you have Yamato and Kai versus Benkei and Shun Skywalker. Those are two pretty big matches, but on the whole, uh, what was your thoughts of the monthly Corkin show? Uh, well, you can read my full review over at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Um, I've got the review there, breaks down every match, star rating, that sort of deal. Um, two or three weeks removed from this show, a few things stick out in my mind. Uh, one being that, and we'll talk about them even more when we get to the Dangerous Gate preview, but Kaisuke Akuda is really becoming something special and I don't know if it's that in like this raw talent way, the way that we've seen rookies come into Japanese promotions in recent years, uh, like a Nomura or a Ben K or any of the New Japan Young Lions. But his talent being inserted into Dragon Gate is something that is fascinating to watch. And that was on display here. I loved him and Akuda, or I'm sorry, him and uh, Hayao Watanabe against Yuki Yoshioka and Kota Minora. I thought the Ultimo Dragon match uh, was laid out to perfection. Uh, he, Masato Yoshino, and Naruki Doi got the win over Ryo Saito, Kagatora, and Kness. thought that match was a ton of fun. And then the main event of Yamato and Kai versus Benkei and Shun Skywalker, one of my favorite Dragon Gate matches of the year. It would be in my top ten right now if I had to produce a list. I th- This match is one that has stuck with me. It's something that I've wanted to now go back and rewatch because I was kind of stunned at just how good it was and how good I thought all four members of the match looked, including Kai, and I don't often say that. Yeah, this was just a, I, I think top to bottom, one of their best Tokyo shows in years, especially if we're going to remove, like, the, okay, is it tournament time? Just, like, top to bottom show. I didn't have a sh- match on the show below three stars. No, and I neither did I. And now that I'm looking at my review, I had another four star match that I didn't mention. Oh, is and this... that was that was the Natural Vibes uh, Red Six Man. You know, we talked about how they've had all these good matches on the tour that might not have been spreadsheet worthy. Well, this was one of them with KZ Horiguchi and Susumu defeating Big R, Ata, and Yasushi Kondo, which set up the Twin Gate match for Dangerous Gate, uh, thanks to Horiguchi's victory. But no, this show was a blast. It was a vintage-style Dragon Gate Cork and Hall show where nothing is below three stars. You get a main event that delivers, and you get a multi-man match somewhere in the middle that, if it happened in any other promotion on Earth, would be the talk of the town. And that's not a comment on people ignoring Dragon Gate. That is just the fact that this is the working standard in this company, and other companies don't have to live up to such a standard to where this six-man match in the middle of the card is just considered very good to great, whereas in any other promotion, like I said, it would be noteworthy, it would be buzzworthy, it would be something to talk about. Yeah, and just like up and down the card, uh, one match that I have kind of want to hit on, just because we, at least also when we are talking about Kobe World, we really haven't had a chance to talk about it, is that we've had this whole new slew of gaijin come in first jimmy stuck 
through from uh, Kobe World, but we've had Martin Kirby from the UK, and then we have Diamante from Mexico coming. And I really thought that this opener, it was a it was a ten person tag with a, basically this mixed team, or I'm sorry, eight person tag with like this mixed team of uh, Tri Vanguard and Kirby and Jimmy versus Misaki Mochizuki, Super Sisa, Kenichi Arai, and Mondai Ryu. That was just a blast of an opener. It just was a really fun show. We got to see Martin Kirby, who, if you haven't watched Martin Kirby in a Giant Gate ring, he is different. He is refreshing. He's a lot of fun. And we got to see him go up against Super Shisa and Kenichi Orai, which were two great little matchups there. And then Jimmy has been not necessarily outstanding, but he, but for someone of his age, we're watching him grow from show to show. And it's just an exciting thing to watch so far with this opener. I mean, and for me, like, to have a match like that just to start the show before getting into... Hio Watanabe being on the best string of matches in his career. Keisuke Akuda being the most interesting guy in wrestling. This Natural Vibes versus R.E.D. Trios match, which I went four stars on. It's incredible. Ginky Horikuchi is probably the MVP of this month. And then an, a fun Ultimo Dragon match. And then an absolutely killer tag team match between this uh, Yamato and Kai team. Which, Case, I wasn't really high on this team when they first no, got no, together. No, not at all. Not at all. Kai has, like, as soon as he's gotten to, to know someone, he's become one of the better tag team wrestlers in this company. So, like, there's just a lot of him and Yamato who have just done awesome stuff. And I was not very high on Yamato becoming the title contender from the Fukuoka shows because it did feel like they were moving that way. But this match that they had here at Korokin with the two of them, just Yamato and Benkei deciding just to throw bombs for about 20 minutes was incredible. And this is a show that's now off the network. I don't know when it's a Gayora ending airings are going to be over, but if you have an opportunity to find the full show, go back and watch this full show because really from top to bottom, this is as strong as a cork. And as I feel like most promotions can put out today, it just was a yeah, absolutely. Show. So, and, and the, and the Yamato thing, just real quick, you know, we had speculated after the Fukuoka shows that maybe it was going to be Horiguchi versus Benkei because Genki had racked up all these wins and they were giving him singles matches. It was clear there was a focus on him. Uh, then we saw the card announced uh, for Korkin. We saw that Yamato and Benkei were in the main event. That kind of gave it away, and we were initially disappointed. I think partially just because Benkei versus Genki Horiguchi in a main event program sounds like such a fun and different style of booking than what's what we've expected from Dragon Gate. Uh, but any doubts I had, kind of like you said, were removed in this match. I saw the way those two worked together. I saw the way the crowd was into it. And then, like I said, this match, it, it felt a little outside of the Dragon Gate universe. It felt a little more stiff, a little more snug. There was a little bit more intensity to it than like a Masato Yoshino can bring to just a standard tag match in Cork and Hall. There was something different about this match that has really stuck with me. Yeah, and it, it's something that with these two guys, you, you're kind of pulling at two different strings, I feel like, because you have Yamato, who, for a lot of purposes, was the ace pretty much from 2013 through the last Pac reign when they started to do the transition, I think that's fair to say. So you have the guy yes. who's your most recent ace and still is, out of the people of that level, the youngest person of that level. And you have Benkei, who they spent so much time and they gave him the big win over Pac. And it, it just was, for me, a very troubling match because Dragon Gate has before 
pull the rug out underneath someone what should have been like their defining ace run and when i saw the match like this here i'm like okay i still have that lingering thought in the back of my head but not only do yamato and binke have this chemistry that i think could be something special but they made it into such a thing that Yamato had to use Ragnarok, which he's only used, I believe, twice before on Shun Skywalker to get the pin here. And Kai is just there willing to throw bombs and kick people really hard, too. So this match was just incredible. Uh, I didn't get a chance really to ask you, what are your thoughts about Martin Kirby, Jimmy, and Diamante so far coming out of this Corican and really just for the first half of this month? Well, Jimmy is someone I'm a fan of. I was not familiar with him before he landed in Dragon Gate, but I am typically a fan of these DTU kids that have come over. Um, it seemed like he uh, worked in the same style as a Flamita or a Drastic Boy and has kind of assumed that Drastic Boy role of being in the openers, working hard, taking good bumps, and his reward is not necessarily victories. His reward is being in Japan and he seems okay with that. I, I think he's been a blast. I like when they have guys like this come over. Uh, less featured foreign acts um, are a good time because, you know, you're going to get your Willie Max and, you know, obviously the greatest example being Pac of uh, these guys that kind of work themselves into push positions and featured acts. Uh, Jimmy is not that. Jimmy has a spot on the card, and that spot is nowhere after match three. But I'm okay with that because I think Jimmy is a ton of fun to watch. Martin Kirby is someone who I was not entirely familiar with before he came over simply because he worked promotions in the UK that I don't watch. I don't watch a lot of PCW. Uh, I'm not a defiant wrestling fan. Um, so I was aware of his existence. I had heard his name and I had heard good things, but I don't really remember seeing him work with the exception of the Dragon Gate UK shows he was on. But even those, now that I'm looking at uh, those, it looks like he was in mostly dark matches, so I don't know if I've seen those or not. Uh, but he's someone who really stuck out to me from the very beginning because he seemed to grasp the charisma that is required to work in Dragon Gate at a very quick level. From his first match on in Fukuoka, he was interacting with the crowd and getting the crowd invested. And from there, he was able to make these little things stand out. He's got this like somersault catapult move he does with two opponents. Uh, and he, he sends the head of one opponent into the crotch of the other. And that's kind of been the one spot that I've seen him do consistently. And that's been getting good reactions. It's a little contrived. It looks a little goofy, but I think in Gate it works. Um, but he's really stuck out to me as someone who might not be at the high working level of a Willie Mac or a Pac or whoever else. But from the start, it was like, oh, I, he could work in this promotion on a regular basis because he has the charisma that connects for whatever reason. And we don't really see that a lot of the time from foreigners that come in. It's a lot of in-ring first, and then we'll worry about the reactions later. He flipped it, and it seemed to work out for him. I think he's been a lot of fun. And then there's Diamante, who <laughs> yeah. uh, I can't figure out why he's here. He's not the, – the weird thing with him – he is not actively bad. I don't think he's a very good professional wrestler, but I don't think it's fair to say that he's bad or that he's awful, whatever, you know, whatever word you want to use there. I don't think he's that. But it is very clear that he is not at the working standard of the Dragon Gate level and is clumsy and awkward and slow, and those are three things that don't mesh with this style. So... 
I've become perversely entertained by his matches. I've watched every single one that's hit tape because I don't know what we're going to get from him. I just know that it's probably not spreadsheet worthy, which is okay. Not every wrestler has to be that, but he feels like someone that would have come over in like 2006, 2007, a King Shisa or a Pentagon Black or someone that just hung out in Dragon Gate and no one was really sure why. He's kind of the next in line of those guys, and it has been a very long time since Dragon Gate has had one of those guys in the promotion. Yeah, it's something that I feel like part of this tour has been wrapping our heads around him, just because he... The, the way that I've described him, and I don't think I'm being negative when I say this, he is a replacement-level heavyweight luchador. I watch a lot of AAA, and I've, it's one of those promotions I like watching to like plug in and things like this. And from what I found out about Diamante before he came over, and what I've like seen of him elsewhere, he's just there. He's kind of awkward. His stuff that looks good is because he's bigger than everyone else. He's probably a legit... 210 and 5'10 shoot height so he his finishing move has been a power bomb that looks pretty good because he kind of has the same thing that Kazma has that he looks that much bigger than everyone else so you could do things and be kind of remarkable but it's just it's weird he doesn't really they, they've had him get all the falls in his matches case which is something that's also very uh, King Shisa or Pentagon Black like so in another world, he would be getting the second dream key for Benkei. So that's just like that. A... That would be terrifying, especially given what we saw on the August 10th show, which was the Naruki Doi homecoming uh, show, which aired on the network. But I don't believe it's on there anymore about match two. And this is a real match. This was not a TW or EWR simulation. This match is in Dragon Gate was Cosmo Sakamoto and Diamante defeating Kai and Martin Kirby in this nine-minute, bizarre, awkward match that saw Cosmo Sakamoto get busted open hard way. Bad. And, and bad. I mean, he was gushing. And it's one of the, you know, it's match two on a house show. I'm watching the show, but I'm not entirely focused on this match. And I look up and Sakamoto is gushing blood and i rewind it to see what happens and i don't really see anything and then i rewind it again and it looks like uh kirby had her coroned him into the corner and instead of doing an exaggerated like throw his head into the turnbuckle bump it looks like he hit the hard part of the post and you know threw his head into steel basically and that's what cut him open uh but to me that was the highlight of this august 10th show was this match that uh, borderlined on bad at times, but like I said, I was perversely entertained by the entire thing. Well, I mean, the, the reason why this match borderlined on bad was because it was 90% Diamante doing things. Like, Kirby... Yeah, for that show. Yeah, yeah, like, Martin and Kirby, I didn't get a chance to much talk about him. I find him really entertaining and really refreshing. I like seeing him doing Lancaster... Lancastershire, which, you know, that that's a place that I know exists because it's a name of something, but it doesn't sound really real, case to be quite no, honest. No, that sounds like a fake fake name uh, that belongs in a fake promotion with a fake company. Yeah, yeah. But it, he does this style and uses it for comedy, and it's, it's obvious that he's someone that knows the promotion and knows the history. Famously, he was one of the people who brought over... Uh, Naoki Tanizaki over to the UK a couple of years back. So 
he he does really fun stuff like he does the milano stop drop kick which is great the the other kind of comedy thing he does which is he kind of like teases the uh his victim by saying their name and trying to like get them to like grab his head put him in a headlock he keeps on like sticking his head in his arm and he just tries to distract them and it's into like a little kind of comedy pinning clutch that's great but diamante is weird kirby has this match that will be hitting the network next month i think on the 15th with him and super shisa which i'm really looking forward to just because i think that'll be an interesting styles class and you know i'm with you on on jimmy i kind of wish he was just going to stick around and become like a dojo guy for a while like i feel like that'd be cool if he becomes like the next member of mochizuki dojo just because of how different it would be in comparison to everyone else i mean you've already have keisuke akuda joining the dojo now why not have a, a kid from dtu who's just 19 i think that'd be a lot of fun yeah that would be a lot of fun but but yeah guys this this nara show don't watch when it comes back whenever they like have it on there it's probably the worst show that i think they've put on in a long time i didn't, I didn't have a single match to recommend from it it was that bad it was well it was it was on the level of the April 2019 shows, yeah. uh, which I, I, I've discussed on this program before. Uh, Mike DMing me with show reports from these April house shows that hit the network and his uh, mental health slowly decaying along the way from Dragon Gate basically had three or four of the driest house shows possible. Uh, this show was on that level. Uh, like Mike said, nothing to really recommend uh, when or if it comes back on the network because I don't. I don't believe this show was airing on Gaiora, uh, but it's it's no longer on the network, but it was a yeah. Rookie Doi homecoming. I mean, it's not a typical TV stop. So you would think something like that, we'd get the opportunity to just have it up on the network and they would film it just for the network. But alas, it's not to be. It's also weird because the other shows that they've done, homecoming shows and taped, one of them was Shingo Takagi's, which they also taped because he's, because it was in Yamanashi, and they got him uh, uh, Kenji Mudo, I believe it was, on that one. So, like, that was a big thing to show up, and they had, like, pyro and stuff like this. This had no pyro. This had, like, nothing special. <laughs> this did have Ultimo Dragon, though, which yeah. was odd. I mean, it was the least entertaining of the Ultimo Dragon Gate matches, but I mean, to me, it was... I thought it was the best match on the show, because I'm still entertained by Ultimo simply appearing in this company... Right. But uh, I thought the Kobe Sambo Hall show on the 17th was far more entertaining. Right, yeah, no. This one, the Ultimo match had Punch Tomonaga, which was something I did not think we'd be seeing in the year of our Lord 2019. But yeah, this Kobe Sambo Hall show might be my favorite Kobe show they've had in years. At it's, least Sambo it's, it's been a long time since there's been a Sambo Hall show that from top to bottom has been entertaining like this one. Yeah, this one will be up on the network until the 24th. It's about two hours and 30 minutes. There's only like about two matches that I would say just skip through. And if you look at the lineups, you'd be able to tell which ones I think you should skip through. But it's just it's a really fun show from top to bottom. You got to have an opener that had Shun joining up with Kirby and Jimmy, who have been pretty much an opener their whole entire time here. You have a fun tag, like mixed tag match number two. You have Yamato versus uh, Kaido Ishida, which that was a humdinger. And then probably the best match of Hio Watanabe's career since 2016, I would say. And that's the semi-main. And then another great Natural Vibes versus R.E.D. Trios match with Kanda in it. 
it's wild case. This is a wild time for the company, but I love this Kobe Sambo Hall show. Yeah, I mean the match to talk about is the the co or the semi main event, Yoshino Doi and Jason Lee defeating Mochizuki, Okuda, and Watanabe. Uh spreadsheet match for me, four stars right on the dot. Kaisuke Okuda is doing things in this ring that I just was not expecting when he came in. Uh he does this top rope triangle choke to the floor that is I mean, it, it's going to hurt someone, I think, eventually, because it's it's kind of like a shoot drop off the top rope. I mean, he's dropping these guys kind of right on their head. And like we've discussed, we wish Drangate would kind of make it his finish and, and give it a little more impact. But instead, it's kind of this transitional spot that once he hits that, the match now goes into the finishing stretch. And then we see Watanabe and Mochizuki throwing bombs at Yoshino Doi and Jason Lee. It ends up being Okuda, who eats a Bakatari sliding kick uh, there uh, in just over 15 minutes. But this match was terrific. Like Mike said, this match is on the network until the 24th, so you're going to have time to listen to this and then go watch the show. And I highly recommend, at the very least, if you don't want to sit through the entire Kobe Samba Hall show, I can't blame you, but Yamato versus Kaito Ishida and then this match, I think, are well worth your time. Yeah, and... Just to talk a little bit about the uh, Yamato Kaidoshita match, right on the precipice of spreadsheet for me, three and three quarters. Just a 11 minute kind of sprint match where Yamato is a guy that I have a lot of misgivings with him because he's someone that when he takes shows off, he takes shows off in a very obnoxious way that I just can't stand. Case, and I know I've talked to you about this privately before, but I want to have this on air and people who are Yamato fans to tweet at me and be angry about this, but. Yamato is one of the worst people at taking a, a night off when he wants to take a night off. And this was a case where he could have took a night off, but instead he managed to work his annoying wrestling style of grappling for grappling's sake with someone who was determined to sell his ass off like Kaido Ishida and try to like shrug off getting his ankle locked and doing this. And it was just a great, it was just it was a great 11 minute sprint. They, he let Ishida kick out of a Galleria, which for a guy of Ishida's, level on the car that's pretty big and then he finally kind of tapped out with the doji mess sleeper which is not necessarily a common move but i love this move i love this move i love this match uh what was your overall feelings about it yeah how show yamato or at least non-cork and non-big show yamato was a strange case because i understand why he takes these nights nights off because he's someone that can rely on his charisma for the most part and is always going to be in a featured match on the big shows and that requires taking big bumps and big sequences and this and that and this and that. So when there's 500 fans in Kyoto or whatever, I understand why he wants to do the Frankensteiner, part his hair, get a reaction, and move on with his life. But it it's not good, and it's especially not good when his unit mates, Tribe Vanguard, whether it be teaming with Kai, Kagatora, Yosuke Santa Maria, whoever, when they can't lift up his performance— so it leads to a lot of very dry, very boring Tri-Vanguard matches on these shows. Here we see him against Ashida. Ashida has been just phenomenal this year. He's just so good, and he's found his home in Maximum, teaming with Doi, partnering with Jason Lee, doing all these different things. He's kind of been the glue guy that you, you stick him into a Maximum match, and it immediately becomes much more exciting. And this was a great single showcase for the two. Um... I, I liked the chokeout finish. I thought it was interesting. I thought it played to both of their strengths, quite honestly. And it's a match that I gave uh, three and three quarters. 
but would fully recommend it just because it was something a little bit different than what we typically get on these Dragon Gate Kobe Samba Hall shows. Yeah, it just was different. It was special. It was right after a three-minute Benkei squash of Punch Tomonaga. I don't know what the justification it was for having two singles matches on this showcase, but we really got to see uh, dialectics here between Benkei knocking out Punch Tomonaga in three minutes and then Yamato having like a hard-fought match with Kaido Ishida. It was just weird. Yeah, I liked it, though. Uh, I I was wondering how short the Benkei Tomonaga match would last. Uh, three minutes felt just about right. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, they, they hyped up the Yamato Benkei match more. And then we really, you know, with the way that first match was with the Benkei match, you know, it would have been easy for Yamato to just buzzsaw Ishida and run right through him. But I think it speaks well to Ishida's future that they had him put up a fight and had him have a really good match with Yamato. Yeah, and I forget if it was here or... I think it would have to be here because this is when there was intermission. The big thing about going intermission here was the two of them just getting into it, being Yamato and Benkei. And really just, like, the two of them have... Well, we don't have the translations that we used to, but you just sense that Yamato sees that Benkei is not the level that he should be, whereas uh, Benkei is trying to prove himself and is not willing to, like step down to a guy who is senior because now he was the guy who took care of Pac and why didn't Yamato take care of Pac if he was the guy in that position so I thought that was pretty interesting and then again that led into the incredible uh, Mochizuki Dojo versus Maximum Trios match and then again as I said before another really fun natural vibes and RED match where Genki Horiguchi got another backslide he got backslides Pretty much, I think, every single match on the shows, except for what happened at, at Kyoto KBS Hall. So he's been he's been having one of those streaks of, mochis, of uh, Ginky Horiguchi matches as of late. But Yeah, was... and it's speaking of Horiguchi and <laughs> speaking of intermission, I mean, do you want... Let, yeah, let's, let's get into down it. this Kaito KBS Hall angle. Uh, it's match four on the show. It's Eita and Yasushi Kanda against Horiguchi and Brother Yashi. And there is a point in this match where R.E.D. starts cheating and they bring out the box and Horiguchi counters the box attack and then grabs this dreaded heel box that has just been a staple of the company now for 20 years. It's hard to explain. It's just a box, but every every bad guy unit has one color coordinated to their attire. Uh, and Horiguchi takes this box and he beats up Eita and he beats up Kanda and then he beats up the referee and he gets called for a DQ and that doesn't stop him. And for the next... Seven to ten minutes, we have this arena-wide brawl with Horiguchi just taking it to Eita in a way that is very out of character for Horiguchi. It's something that, you know, he's been a staple of the company for 20 years since nearly the inception, and we've never seen this type of rage in Horiguchi. You know, we know him as, you know, fun-loving babyface, you know, hits the exercise band spot, does the backslide, it's all good fun. We've seen him as a surfer, and on the rare instance that he's been a heel, he's felt, like, more evil, I guess, than anything, Mm -hmm. like, kind of, like, dark and mystic. But this is just a rage that's coming out of him that's new. And, you know, they call for intermission and people are trying to get up and, and use the bathroom or buy merch or whatever they need to do. And Horiguchi is throwing Eita around the arena and Brother Yashi can't break it up and Kanda's trying to get in there to stop him. The Dojo Boys are out there. It's crazy. And it's something that was a shock to the system 
in Dragon Gate. I've, I've never seen an angle quite like this. There's one thing that it reminds me of that we'll actually discuss later on in the show, but just brawling through intermission between two guys that kind of have these laid back personalities. It was different and I loved it. This is one of the best angles I've seen in wrestling this year. Yeah, and for a match that is now going to be the semi-main event of this show, this is really added the stakes needed to be, especially for someone like Ginky Horiguchi, who just never really is the guy to completely lose it, to just be beside himself in anger. And it, you said seven minutes, which I think might be selling this short. I think this was closer from when you include the match going post-match and then end intermission about a good 15 minutes of sporadic ginky horiguchi coming out of the backstage area picking up a meter of red and kicks a member of red and kicking their ass and throwing them into chairs for about a good minute then they break it up again they try to send it to the back but then from another corner of the arena ginky horiguchi has like big r shimizu and he slings him into chairs and then kanda tries to stop it he gets slung into chairs yashi seems to calm him down again take him in the back, and then he comes out again to, to kick Ada's ass. It is like a tremendous ass kicking, and it's something that was... It, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It, it was just so different than anything we've seen, and especially to have it come from Horiguchi, it really stuck with me of because it was such a, a drastic change in his personality, and now we went from this, you know, this 28 match at Dangerous Gate as a no-DQ match, and it kind of feels like they booked it backwards where they announced the no DQ match yeah. uh, with RED's reasoning being, well, it's Dangerous Gate. We need to have a dangerous match. And I was like, oh, all right. I don't know if this is the match that lives up to it. To, I don't know if Horiguchi took that to heart. I don't know what it was, but it ended up working out because we got this angle. And now I am so on board with this Dangerous Gate match. And to me, the Horiguchi angle is the most must-watch thing on the show because I liked that match. Um, and then I liked... The following match of Ben K and Shun Skywalker versus uh, Naruki Doi and Kaito Ishida, but nothing is going to stick in my mind quite like this Genki Horiguchi angle. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. The best match of the show was that tag match after intermission. If you're someone like me, go check out the opener. The opener is fun too. It's probably like three and a quarter. You know, not necessarily to a level that is something that you're going to remember for a long time, but probably the best. Uh, match I feel like that Jimmy's had since he's been in the promotion. The matches Rio Saito, Martin Kirby, and Jimmy versus Hyo Watanabe, Keisuke Akuda, and Yuki Oshioka. It's just a fun, it's just like a fun opening trios match. Like, I'm having such a good time on these trios so far this year, and this, or, or this tour, and this was a really fun one. And then, again, like you said, the tag match with Naruki Doi and Kaido Ishida, which has kind of become the regular top-level maximum tag team against Ben K and Shin Skywalker, which if they haven't been in singles matches, the two of them have been tag teaming together. And this was a really fun, like 12 minute sprint tag match. Like I thought it was a whole lot of fun. Like we've talked about how there's been a lot of just different kind of fun things going on for this, but, uh, but Kaido Ishida being in good sprints has been something I've really enjoyed so far this tour. And he's going to be in a match coming up at dangerous gate that is a down the card match but it's a really kind of fun one so it's it, i wouldn't call this kyoto show especially for kyoto being such a big place for them like storyline wise i wouldn't call this like much watch other than like the 30 minutes that take place between the match four and then the end of match five i think that's probably what's worth watching on this show i would agree 
All right. Uh, any other thoughts about the TV before we get into previewing both Dangerous Gate and taking a look ahead to Gate of Origin? Anything else that you saw that you wanted to talk about from the uh, August shows? No, I'd like to get into Dangerous Gate because there's a lot of stuff on this <clears throat> card that I like. Yeah, this is a, another strong card out of them. It's an eight-match show. It will be on the 14th. It is, of course, as always, from Oda City General Gymnasium. It will be on the network at 4 o'clock local time, which would be 3 o'clock, I believe, uh, Eastern time. I need to like kind of go through and constantly do this. The way that they have always list match times always bother me. But I believe that's 3 a.m. Eastern, I want to say. But that's neither here nor there. Eight matches on the show. Every title will be on the line other than the Bravegate match. We, of course, have already talked a little bit about the Dreamgate and the Twingate. But how do you want to tackle the show? Do you want to talk main event first or should we talk opener up? Let, let's go uh, Let's go with the opener uh, because I think this card is interesting all the way through. Um, and, and just to, to backtrack just for a second, it is 3 a.m. start time, uh, at least Eastern time. Uh, I will be doing my best to watch it live. Um, and if not, then I'll watch it right after the fact, and then I'll have my review up on Voices of Wrestling. But let's start at the uh, at the bottom of the card, I guess, with this opener, if you want to run, run down the match there. Yeah, this is the traditional, we got to get everyone on the show match, but it's a really fun one with how these teams are composed. It is a 10-person tag. One side has, I guess you would call it the Natural Vibes team, Natural Vibes side. Uh, Brother Yashi, Punch Tominaga, Problem Dragon, Monday Ryu, Martin Kirby, and Hiroshi Yamato. And then the other side is the notable Tri-Vanguard team, I guess, really, of Kakatora, Yosuke Santa Maria, Sachihoko Boy, uh, Dragon Daya, and Jimmy. So interesting kind of how they've lined up. They've had Martin Kirby and Jimmy on opposite sides when they've kind of been on the same sides going far. And then, of course, you have what would be like the the four people who are much higher up on the card kind of paired off two and two. And Yashi is kind of an interesting place, I feel like, on this show. I mean... It feels like that he would be someone that more likely you would maybe think about putting into that Ultimo match, but he's here opening up the show. So what's your thoughts overall about this match? Well, look, I don't think this is going to be the last time we see Brother Ryashi on this show, which pains me to say, but I'm afraid he's going to be involved much later on in the show. But I like this match. Um, I like the idea of Kirby mixing it up with Kagatora, who has had a rough tour. We talked about mm-hmm. a lot of the things we liked. One of the things that we weren't a big fan of was just Kagatora's output. Um, he's someone who, and I think deservedly so, has a corner of the community. Uh, he he is one of their favorite wrestlers, and there are people that have an eye on Dragon Gate, but they have both eyes focused on Kagatora. And I've just never had that connection with him. I think when he wants to turn it up, he's very, very good. But I don't look at him as this elite tier wrestler, even on his best day. And what we've seen during this Gate of Adventure tour is when he's not at his best, he's not that fun to watch. And he's just kind of dragged everything down. But I hope if he's in there with Martin Kirby, those two can can grapple, maybe do something a little different and Kagatora can find some footing because he feels lost in the booking, and I think that affects his output quite a bit. Yeah, he's really not been a focus of anything a whole lot, really, other than when they had that trio, that that triangle trio that 
with Nat with uh, Tri Vanguard trying to go for the uh, Triangle Gate. That was the last time I feel like that he's had anything of consequence going on for him, really. Unless yeah, I'm... and and he's no. I mean that that's exactly it. Was that true? Which was what Kagatora, Santa Maria, and UT was yeah. that the was that the group? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was super fun, and I really enjoyed their matches. And it's a shame that UT is injured. Uh, we've heard maybe late September for his return, but you know we don't have that confirmed. But Kagatora is someone who comes across as very human in the sense that when he's getting pushed. Uh, you can tell because he tries really, really hard, but when he's got nothing going on, uh, it shows in his in-ring performance. So it's an opener. I don't expect a ton out of him, but I'd like to see him and Kirby have some interactions. And also Kakatora, you kind of have to think about it. He will, he's 37 now. He's no longer a spring chicken. No, he's a, he's a Torimon X guy. And I don't know if a ton of people realize that, that he dates back to the early two thousands. Yeah. And that's one of those things that, in the Corkin match, it was interesting because you had a real generations with the, uh, I'm referring to the Ultimate Dragon match, because you had a real generations match there because you had a couple guys from T2P with Ultimo, and then you had Ryo Saito, who was the bridge, and you had Kness, who was not traditionally considered a Dragon System guy because of when he came in, but he still received some training from Ultimo Dragon. So it's he's a remarkable person. It's just when he, he you could tell like how he is doing mentally when how much effort he's putting in and i got the sense also that this uh, kakatora santa maria team when i listened to lanza talk about the junior battle of glory and all japan really it was when kakatora had something to seek his teeth into that's when that those matches seemed good but when kakatora decided to take the night off that's when they really kind of stank so you know i think that's the uh, kind of the ode of kakatora in 2019 when you kind of take a look at it well, and you're right, and I completely spaced the All Japan uh, Junior Tag Tournament that he and Santa Maria are in, but I also don't watch the All Japan Junior <laughs> Tag Team Tournament uh, because it is the All Japan Junior Tag Team Tournament. Um, so I haven't seen any of that. I can't speak on that, but his output in the number two promotion in Japan has not been very good, and that I can say for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only match out of that tournament that I would have half an inclination to ever watch would be the speed the speeds of sounds versus that the tri-vanguard team the rest of that tournament can just go get lost but getting some some classic torimon x versus torimon x and dragon gate trueborn that would be up my alley but the rest of that show can just go up a cliff like the whole entire tournament can but i think that's that's more thought put into this match than probably the booking did so taking a look at match two unless you have anything else to add onto the opener no, we, we just talked about Toriumon X. Now we've got some Toriumon OGs in this match number two. Oh boy, do we. We have kind of like what I would consider the bridge generation of Toriumon, uh, Toriumon Japan and T2P going on. At least like between the first term and the second term and the third term. As on one side, we have Ryo Saito, who is the bridge between Toriumon third term and Toriumon J- 2000 project, which started with the fourth term. Super Shisa, who, you know, I w- keep up kayfabe, but he was someone that was t- first class. Kness, not really, but kind of considered first term. And Kanichi Arai, second term, versus Yazushi Kanda, second term. Takashi Yoshida, originally a Noki Dojo in the United States before coming over through DGUSA. Kazuma Sakamoto from K-Dojo. And then Diamante from being... Uh, with Sombra's brother-in-law. 
<laughs> yeah, there is there is a lot going on in this match. Um, it should be noted, I don't know how long Diamante's tour in Drangate is going to last. I know Jimmy is heading home after this match, uh, after the opener. So he's he'll be back in Mexico at the start of September. Diamante, I have no idea how long he's staying, um, but we're going to get him in the same ring as Super Shisa and Kness, and I'm fascinated to see how that goes because theoretically a luchador should be able to work with Super Shisa, but Diamante is... Uh, not nimble or <laughs> quick or a technician of any sort. Um, and there's a real chance that Kness, who has struggled with injuries for 15 years now, uh, disintegrates into a million pieces if he's the one that has to take the Diamante power bomb at the end of this match. The, the best way to really describe Diamante for other people is he was someone that was given a significant push in CMLL because his brother-in-law is is Andrade when he was La Sombra and he was the stereotypical CMLL heavyweight that is just very slow and not very good so we'll see that here in this I mean you have Kness who when Kness isn't on the shelf is usually a lot of fun but he's sadly at his age he is now Kenichiro Arai who I guess they're back to now having Arai show up at all the Tokyo shows which you know me I'm down with that Whenever yeah, he... that is that is your fantasy booking come true. Yeah, yeah, my my main man Kenichiro Rai. I think actually when I'm looking at this match, the person that I'm kind of excited about because I think he was pretty good this last month is Yuzushi Kanda. Like he had a good August, and I'm really which stunned is hard I'm for that. the both of us to say. But you're right; he was in numerous good matches and wasn't bad in those matches, which is all you could ask for from him. Right, right, and then hopefully. Cosma is doing okay. He had an eye patch on at Cork, and he got his, his face busting open in Nara. And then Yoshida's going to Yoshida, and so is Ryo Saito. This will be the car wreck potential of the night. I feel. Let, like. let me let, let me ask you this because yeah, I, we are both huge Super Shisa fans. Uh, we saw his match with UT this year, which is one of the best grappling matches you're going to see anywhere in the world. He's got another one of those coming up or that, that happened but hasn't aired yet with Martin Kirby. And we kind of know his strengths and, to a lesser extent, his weaknesses. Of the four RED members in this match, who is Shisa going to have the worst chemistry with? Yoshida? Yeah, I mean, Yoshida, it's... I mean, Shisa can climb on him yeah. and kind of do those UT Yoshida spots that we saw a year ago when UT had a uh, miraculously good match against Takashi Yoshida. But it's like, yeah, I mean, Kanda is so broken down and old, but I can see him, you know, getting through some of those spots. Sakamoto is very athletic, which I think has shocked us all in the year he's been in the company, just how good he's actually been. And again, like I said earlier, Diamante theoretically should be able to have chemistry with him. So I guess that kind of leaves us with Yoshida as the uh, who do I not want to see Super <laughs> Super Shisa in the ring with? Yeah, it's just something when you look at this match, and it's just a weird match. Like this is the weirdest I feel like undercard match they've had in a long time on a big show. So that Shisa's around now, which if you love very good. Uh, 
Yave style maestro wrestling. He is fantastic to watch because he's the one person to make it work and not look like a giant exhibition. I he's the, he's the one person I have interest in watching grappling. I mean, yeah. he, you know that that UT match from Prime Zone, which if you're maybe wanting to see that match and you haven't before, maybe send me a DM. I don't know. Um, but Super Shisa is one of the few people in the world that I have any interest in in seeing him take his opponent down to the mat. It's him mm-hmm. and Zack Sabre Jr. Everybody else stand up and strike. I have no interest in that. I don't like boring grappling. I don't like slow wrestling. I'll watch Super Shisa do what he does, though, because he's very good at it. Yeah, like the only other one that I like is Virus, but Virus is also, you watch him because he has a majestic mullet and he's a chubby guy, and, and occasionally he'll do a really loud chop as well. But yeah, no. Shisa is uh, such a unique wrestler. Kenichi Rai is the sleaziest person. He's not the sleaziest person in this match, which is fantastic. But after that match, we get into our first title match of the night. And we didn't really talk about this at Corkin, but I think this, we'll talk about it here. It is the Strong Machine Army of J, F, and G making their first defense against the the Mochizuki Dojo trio of Yuki Yoshioka, Hio Watanabe, and Kota Minenura. This match case, of course, was set up at Corkin, where Hio Watanabe really kind of got himself to just... He, he was feeling himself after he, him, and Okuda beat Yoshioka and Minenora and challenged the, uh, challenged the Strong Machines, but it wasn't his partner, Okuda, in that match that he chose to join him. He chose his traditional dojo guys and uh yoshioka and minonora so interesting match jay has been in the, the factory for repairs i think it's the way that they're calling it case if i'm right and he's been off most of this month but it'll be an interesting match i feel like yeah you are correct uh he went back to the factory uh which gave strong machine jay some time off so he has not worked since the corkin on august 7th um and then by proxy strong machine f strong machine g nowhere to be found but I I loved the way they set this match up because we talked about it earlier. The Mochizuki Dojo kids have this match at Cork and Hall. Watanabe gets the victory with Akuda and then, you know, kind of flips him the bird and says, no, I'm ready for a title match, but I'm ready for it with Yoshioka and Minora. And we'll say this. I mean, I'll say this about a few of the title matches. I feel like there is a real strong chance that the titles could change hands here. Now I'm ultimately leaning with the strong machines. That's my, you know, put it in the paper. That's my prediction is that the strong machines retained, but would it shock you at all? If the Mochizuki Dojo team came away with the win? No. And the reason why more so than Hio Watanabe kind of stepping to the level that at least I have claimed that he's had his entire career, but I've noticed that Jay has had his, shoulder taped up pretty much since april when he got debuted when he debuted yeah that's been something that's been an issue and there's been no other indication of him coming back it could it does seem like this is something that kind of hurts him a little bit inconsistently they might have to do a title change here just to get the belts off them because they know that he has to go on the shelf which would be fascinating because then you know how long is he out does the gimmick keep going uh you know, if if we're down, you know, at that point, three roster members, mm-hmm. do Don Fuji and Gama come back into the fold? You know, they've taken most of this year off, and rightfully so. They're up there in age. But now, and you know, you've got that aspect of it, but then you've also now got this trio team of Yoshioka, Watanabe, and Minora, who are young and hungry and have been killing it this entire year. And now they have 
you know, heading into, again, the hot period of the year where you've got Gate of Origin, you've got uh, Gate of Destiny in November, then you've got Final Gate. You've got three big shows for them to have these big matches on. I think it's interesting, uh, no matter what, no matter who wins in this match, it's going to be interesting to see them uh, fill those higher card positions, be in these featured matches for the first times in their career. Um, I think, though, I think Jay and the Strong Machine Army are going to retain just because there's more to this story, and I'm not entirely sure when it ends, who wins it, or how, but it feels like now that they have the titles, the Strong Machine Army can survive for a little bit longer. But like you said, his shoulder's been taped up since May. He had to take off the rest of this tour to heal up. Maybe it's a lingering issue. Maybe he can only get through this match and will take the belts off him. I don't know. But I'm very excited to see what comes of this. Yeah, and it's something that Hio Watanabe is someone also to keep your eye on when we get into talking about the uh, Twin Gate match. But as the person who, I've, if I've brought anything to the wrestling world, it is that Hio Watanabe's nickname is the Big Cat, and he is my small leopard son. He's really, Those are canon. Those are canon now, apparently. I've yeah, that's that. canon. I'm very proud of myself here about that. But it's just one of those things that this trio has been so good. It's been something that... From the tail end of last year, through the Rookie Ranking League, into King of Gate, when Yoshioka got again in King of Gate and had an incredible match with Susumi Yokosuka. Like, that still is one of those matches that won't make my top ten, but it's a match that sticks with you. And then Hio Watanabe having a great August. Like, I, other than probably Ginky Horiguchi, he would be up there on my August MVP list. This is a match that, if everyone is okay and they aren't doing the Strong Machine formula... This could be the sleeper match of the night, I would feel like. Just because of the kind of guys like Yuki Yoshioka, he could do anything. Kota Minonora has become a great babyface in peril. And Hio Watanabe, for a guy of his size, has kind of developed this unique style that I find so compelling that, you know, it's somewhat acrobatic, it's somewhat, like, gymnastic-based, but it's also a whole lot of him wanting to do, like, fireman carries moves. So there's a lot of interesting things here, and... You know, there's there's a lot of different ways they can come out of this match, and it, and the, as you said earlier, there's a lot of story to be told going forward. Absolutely, I, I'm pumped for this. Like you said, could be a sleeper match tonight. I'm very curious to see what happens here. Yep, and that leads to match four, which is a non-title tag team match where kind of the two tag teams that have been being built up over this last month month are going to face off as the maximum team of Naruki Doi and Kaido Ishida will go against the Mochizuki Dojo team of Masaki Mochizuki and Keisuke Okuda. And this is kind of like the Shun Skywalker and KZ match at Kobe World, where they're just like, hey guys, we have to do something with these guys, so here's a match. It'll probably be excellent. Here you go. And I'm stoked for this thing, Case. What are your thoughts about it? So Mike, are you familiar with Masaki Mochizuki's nickname in professional wrestling? Well, he is the soul of the king of the kicker. <laughs> okay, there is that too. You, <laughs> I, I'll be honest, you caught me off guard with that one. Not not what I thought you were going to answer with, but that is totally okay. But are, are you aware that some people refer to him as the Iron Man of professional wrestling? That has been something told about him. That has been a yeah. way to describe him, yes. That's a word on the street anyways. Mm -hmm. So Mochizuki wrestled both of the Fuku Fukuoka double shot shows. He wrestles at the Corkin. He wrestles on the Nara show. He wrestles at Kobe Sambo hall on August 18th. Instead of going to Kyoto with Dragon gate, 
Uh, he goes to Pro Wrestling Noah to compete in their N1 Victory Tour. He wrestles Katsuhiko Nakajima on August 18th. The next night, he's in a six-man tag with Minoru Tanaka and Naomichi Marafuji against Go Shiozaki, Katsuhiko Nakajima, and Hitoshi Komano. As we're recording this, Mochizuki is gearing up for a match on the 21st in Pro Wrestling Noah against El Hijo del Dr. Wagner Jr. <laughs> yeah, that is that, by the way, is the lengthiest name at all of professional wrestling. From there, he gets a few days off because he's not wrestling on Noah's August 23rd show. And Drangate, weirdly enough, is not running any shows this week. They're not running any house shows. The roster has an entire week to heal up for Dangerous Gate. So now on the 24th, he's got this match. On August 29th, he goes to Corken Hall and wrestles Kano in a singles match. And then one can assume that on September 1st, he'll be on Gate of Origin. Those are all of his matches this month. And we don't have cards announced yet for the August 27th, 30th, or 31st Dragon Gate shows, which one could assume that he'll be on because he's not on those Noah shows. So we could be looking at 18 matches for Masaki Mochizuki in one month, with the 19th being on September 1st. This, Mike, if you're wondering, would be one of his busiest months ever. Oh, yeah. He's rarely topped out at 20 matches. Um, and if we're not counting the outlier, and I'm not making this stat up. In August of 2005, Masaki Mochizuki wrestled 43 matches. But that was thanks to Everyday Pro Wrestling when Drangate was running double shots daily, and he was often wrestling Stalker Ichikawa on those shows, which means he was wrestling three or four times because Ichikawa wanted the matches to be restarted. So if you take out August of 2005, this is one of the busiest months he's ever had in his illustrious 25-plus year career. He's still one of the best wrestlers in the world, and I have no doubt that he's going to kill it in this match. I did see a tweet this week that really kind of popped me. I didn't retweet it or reply to it just because it was a tweet that relied on machine translation, the way that things work on TweetDeck and how things go on Twitter, where uh, Masaki Mochizuki tweeted that how tired he was and how he woke up in the bathroom. And he was like, I don't know why I'm laying down in the bathroom here, but I woke up here. And then, of course, I don't know if you saw this, Akira Zao had a cheat how to chime in because Akira Tozawa does this and he said oh it seems like you need to pee a whole lot because you're an older man and you need to go get your prostate checked <laughs> I did not see that <laughs> tremendous stuff but yeah it's good stuff uh, the, pretty much the uh, and of course Masaki Mochizuki said you know what that's a good point I should probably go get it taken care of but you know that that that's that's pretty much explains those two's relationship in a nutshell by the way but, uh, yeah, no, this match looks like it could be exceptional. Ishida, we've talked a lot about. You have Okuda here. Nuruki Doi quietly has formed another incredible tag team case. Who would have thought he's, this? He's one of the best tag team wrestlers to ever live. And and that's not that's not a hot take at this point. I mean, I don't I don't know how you can deny it if you have any sense of appreciation for the Dragon Gate working style. I mean, this is someone who speed muscles one of the 25 greatest teams of all time. Yamadoi had one of the greatest year-long runs in tag team history. And just time after time, he finds these guys and just finds magic with them. And Kaito Ishida's no different. Yeah, and they've been great here. You know, for Ishida, the big question is always going to be, when is he finally going to get over the hump and get his, big, his first belt? And, you know, I think that 
this is a great guy for him to team up with. And of course, you know, Ishida is someone that I mean, he he teamed up with uh he teamed up with him at Kyoto, but it seems like that every time on the show when Ishida did not have a singles match, he was teaming with Doi. He was in the main event of Doi's homecoming town match. Not not Masato Yoshino, because Masato Yoshino had a team with Ultimo Dragon. In Corkin, they were on that they were not on the same team because I was with the Ultimate Dragon, but the rest of the the rest of the week, it seems like that they always were teaming up together, and they've basically become a permit team, and it's been a really kind of fun team to look at and to watch. And I mean, especially seeing Ishida versus Akuda, that's kind of the matchup here that you underline and you, you wait to see. Okay, this could be a really interesting to see how these two play off of each other. Who do you think is winning this match? <clears throat> I think it's Ishida over Akuda. Okay. Yeah. I I can buy that. I I I mean, my prediction isn't that much different. I think it's going to be Doi over Akuda, but it, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter. But you know, something that we've heard a little bit of just from you know other people is that Akuda is fun uh, and and gimmicky, but not not in an insulting way. He just brings a different presence to the company. But that you know maybe he's a little flavor of the monthish and that he's not maybe going to stick around for all that long. But until someone proves me wrong, otherwise I think Akuda's here to stay at this point. I'm not waiting for him to announce that he's leaving. I'm waiting for him to get a contract. I think he's been that good and has become an integral part of the promotion so soon to where now you've got this entire Mochizuki Dojo story that is being built around him and Hayao Watanabe and you know Watanabe's annoyed that he's in the dojo Akuda you know he just wants to wear supreme post pictures on his Instagram and choke some fools out and I get it I love that lifestyle <laughs> he's just uh, a hype beast <laughs> he, he is he is a hype beast and I'm uh I love it and I mm. don't typically say that about said hype beast but Kaisuke Okuda is a good one in my book um but there is a level of importance that he is kind of being gifted that I don't think uh, would be there if if he wasn't sticking around. Most notably on the 819 uh, Okazaki house show, the main event of this show was Keiji, Yokosuka, and Brother Yashi defeating the Mochizuki Dojo trio of Hayao Watanabe, Yuki Yoshioka, and Kaisuke Akuda. And Akuda did not take the fall. Keiji went over on Hayao Watanabe, but even on a house show in front of a few hundred people, I think the fact that Akuda was in the main event of that show says all we need to know about his future. I think he's sticking around for the time being, and I hope that after he eats some of these falls, he is the next guy to rise up the Mochizuki Dojo ranks. Yeah, and it feels like that, especially in comparison to people who are in the dojo, he kind of gels more with Mochizuki than Watanabe ever did, especially more so than Shun Skywalker ever did. So I I do see a certain kinship there. And I took a look at Okuda's just overall schedule that he's had in 2019. The the three real promotions he's worked for are DDT, Dragon Gate, and then he worked for his uncle in Mexico. His uncle, of course, is Ultimo Dragon as the biggest surprise of the year. But He's wrestled now already, just through three months, 20 more matches than he wrestled in DDT. And when you look at DDT's schedule, there are matches, there are nights that he had like two 12-second matches against Michael Nakazawa, like three ways, like battle royals, just he was not a factor here. 
But since he's joined Dragon Gate, he's become more and more of a figure. And it's been something that I just get the sense that he's that they're going to stick stick around with him at least through. I think as long as Ultimo is around, it's fair to say that Okuda will be around, and I think Okuda's done more than enough to earn his worth. And... Well, and on top of that, Okuda hasn't worked in DDT since he began with Dragon Gate in May. Right. This has been his full-time commitment, and it has now been since May, and he lasted through Kobe World Season, and like we've pointed out now, is in these angles and is now a presence on the shows. It's very odd to me that people have just assumed that it's kind of been a... a a short-term venture here. I, I really think Akuda is in the mix for good, given uh, the fact that he is the nephew of Ultimo Dragon, which blew my mind when I first heard <laughs> it, but that is that is public information. I, I, I don't feel bad uh, revealing any ancestry DNA stuff there. And he's one of the real-life best friends of Ben K. And those two factors together with everything else we've mentioned leads me to believe that he's going to be here for a long time. Yeah, and that's why we both kind of were suspecting that while he was around that he might be with Binkei because they fought and wrestled together. I think it was in high school. Like, they both went to the same high school. So, yeah, I, I think Okuda is here to stay at least until we have another... Unless we have reason to present it otherwise. But for now, I'm here. I'm for him. His Frankensteiner triangle is the most interesting move in wrestling i just call it the frankensteiner triangle case because there's no other way for me to really wrap my head around no it. that's it that's it i mean that's what it is and it's phenomenal okay match five is the 20th anniversary celebration series volume eight where it's this is the this is probably the more random ultimo match here as ultimo teams up with bb hulk and kai against the maximum trio of, of Masato Yoshino, Dragon Kid, and Jason Lee. Now, uh, should we talk about a little bit of uh, dirty laundry that goes on in Dragon System about this match? Well, yes, we should, because I was going to bring it up, whether <laughs> okay. you want it or not. All right, yeah, yeah, well, let's air dirty laundry. <laughs> the, the idea that Ultimo Dragon is wrestling in Dragon Gate is mind-blowing and absurd, but the fact that he's doing it with BB Hulk makes all of this so much more insane. Because as the story goes, uh, Ultimo Dragon started up the Dragon Door promotion in 2005. Uh, after the split, you know he had some of his students still loyal to him, and he's gonna he's gonna start this Dragon Door promotion. And their first show, uh, they're bringing in Mystico, and it's gonna be Mystico's first match in Japan. He's at this point the biggest deal in Mexico. He's the top draw in the world, really. And he's coming to Japan. He's gonna wrestle Ultimo Guerrero in the main event of the first Dragon Door show. That did not happen. Uh, Mystico did not get on his flight. He did not come to Japan. Uh, I believe he wrestled in the best of the Super Juniors a few years later, and that was his first time in Japan. But we never got Mystico in Dragon Door. And word leaked that Mystico wasn't going to be there. And so as the story goes, BB Hulk and Magnum Tokyo show up to the Corican Hall box office with a bouquet of flowers. They offer their congratulations to Ultimo and say, I hope Dragon Door is a success. By the way, we heard the news and we're willing to work on this show for free. Just kind of as this ultimate F you to Ultimo uh, screw you for trying to compete with us. Screw you for thinking you could bring in Mystico and outdraw us in Tokyo. Uh, this is a Dragon Gate, you know, town building whatever, and you're not welcome here. And then Magnum would later go on to say, if Dragon Door could run 20 shows in a month, 
uh, Dragon Gate would consider them competition. And if you know the history of Dragon Door, that never happened. Uh, but BB Hulk, uh, not one to mince words with Ultimo. And the fact that 15 years later, they're now teaming up is just completely insane to me. It is worth saying about this that at this time, BB Hulk was Magnum's protege. Yes, yes. And really a a nothing, I mean, a hype prospect, but had not, you know, won titles and headlined Kobe World that had done all this stuff. Um, so the audacity of him showing up with Magnum Tokyo, I mean, right. Magnum Tokyo had very public issues with Ultimo and public issues with everybody, as it turned out. But the audacity of this young, uh, wide-eyed BB Hulk to show up is a terrific story and one of the very many endearing things about BB Hulk in my mind. Yeah, BB Hulk as is just a very uh, he's a collection of things. Like he is a former JSDF Ranger. That's what he did before he did uh, wrestling. Was he served in the Japanese Self Defense Forces as a Ranger? That's part of the reason why Tri Vanguard has kind of military troop theme is because they want to be on the vanguard of wrestling and Dragon Gate. And Hulk is a mil- former military guy. He is a graphic designer. He also decided. His mentor really wanted to chat some shit against his own mentor, and BB Hulk got drug around, drunk around for this. But guess what? He's teaming with Kai with Ultimo Dragon, which is a wild trio. And then it's the maximum trio. I think that having Jason Lee here will be exciting, seeing Jason Lee kind of match up against these three. But, you know, this is probably my, other than Hulk, this is my least anticipated one of the uh, Ultimo matches, in my personal opinion. I mean, what are your thoughts about the match itself? It's very strange that between Ultimo, Hulk, and Kai, Kai is probably the most mobile of the three. Yeah. And that that does not bode well for this match. Um, the only thing I'm really focused on, because, again, Drangate has nailed these Ultimo matches, and we've kind of gotten word that the, you know, it, it was an Ultimo one-off at World that is now kind of becoming a staycation, in a sense, that Ultimo is... Doesn't have a contract, but he's on good terms, and he's going to be around. And we don't really know how long he's going to be around, but he's going to be around. Um, I just hope that Jason Lee is not decimated in this match. I think it's very obvious Jason Lee is going to take the fall. Right. But I hope Ultimo doesn't destroy him. And I I just—this run with Ultimo has gone too well— that it feels like there's a disaster in the works. And it just, I, I just have this odd feeling that Ultimo and Jason Lee are going to get in the ring and Jason Lee is going to get pummeled and it's going to suck because very few people on this roster work as hard as Jason Lee. Very few people on a match to match match basis are as fun as Jason Lee. And if we get, you know, happy, you know, it's like, it's like the biological dad is back in the picture uh, with Ultimo and Drangate, you know, he, he was separated from the family for a long time and, you know, stepdad Masato Yoshino did his job. And now biological dad Ultimo is back in the picture. But there's a reason there was a separation in the first place. And I just don't want this evil, bitter Ultimo to come out. But if it's ever going to, it's going to be in this match. And it's going to really suck if Jason Lee gets eaten alive by Ultimo. Yeah, I mean, this is the one... I worry about not as much the other Ultimo match we have down on the uh, 
schedule coming up. It's just going to be an interesting one. I mean, Jason Lee has been, he's actually, we've talked a lot about this guy earlier. He's been in the Kakatora role of being like the very, very good low card kind of lost post that is kind of, he gets put up this high on this the card and it's very obvious what his position is. And you just have to hope that everything goes well on this side, just because I would love it for Jason Lee to have one of his great performances here and especially on match five on an eight match show but i don't really have much else to talk about this one i feel like that the ultimo thing it kind of remains to see if this is bad ultimo here but did you have anything else to talk about this one before we moved on to our last non-title match of the night no let's get into this match because it is super weird this is i don't know if who is booking dragon gate has changed over the last two months i don't know if their priorities have changed over the last two months, Case. But match six, special singles match, Susumu Yokosuka versus Shun Skywalker. This will never be a Brave Gate match because Shun Skywalker is a lanky person and is legit 86 kilos. So just anyone who's going to ask, oh, why isn't this Brave Gate? Dragon Gate takes that weight kind of thing somewhat literally. So this is Which is weird because they, they don't promote it as such. They, right. they don't promote that there's weight limits are there but there there are and they follow that it's just, it's like a it's like a secret almost though it's very odd mm-hmm. but yeah this match is gonna be wild i'm so excited for it it's it rules just because it's here like this will be the pre-intermission match i would guess just because of how things are and it's just gonna be a yeah, wild probably. match it's gonna be a wild match i mean shun now has had two straight kind of getting tossed into the fire singles matches on big shows and now he gets one against the unsung workhorse of the company and Susumi Yokosuka, who's just, you know, he's in the best shape of his life. He's turned 40. He's had a great Brave Gate reign. And now he goes up against Shun Skywalker, who's made a point as of late to say, I am not happy with where I am. And I know that I'm teaming with Benke, but I want to surpass Benke. So I guess the idea is if, if Benke is getting singles match, so is Shun Skywalker. Yeah. Th- just everything about this is odd because the fact that it's non-title is so weird. And, you know, we just made this big deal last month about how, you know, it's a, it's a random singles match. You know, we never get these on these big shows. And now you've got Skywalker who just to read off a, a handful of these, and this is just singles matches that Shun Skywalker has had this year. He had the three rookie ranking tournament matches that climax with the Kaito Ishida match. He had the Ben K singles match in Corican Hall. He had the Pac Dreamgate match. He had the Masaki Mochizuki match at King of Gate in May that I think is one of the best matches to take place in wrestling this year. And then he has the KZ match at Kobe World. He's a most outstanding candidate who has another chance to add to his resume with this match against a guy who simply does not have bad matches. It's weird. It's wild. And we're better off for having this match here. It's just Shun's had probably the most interesting 2019 just also because he hasn't had any title matches also like i don't remember no he had the uh, drink he match yeah he, at... he had the match against Pac. yeah but that's it whereas over the last that's... two over the last few years he had a bunch of title matches he's only had that one against Pac, and that's it this year he's had a very interesting 2019 it'll be i don't know how it's going to end up for him this year but it's been one of the more interesting ones yeah, absolutely. Now, I and and I, I I don't believe you gave a prediction. If you did, I missed it. But who do you have going over in this one? 
<sighs> it's a heavy question. Yeah. I honestly have not thought about that. Uh, Shun's lost a lot of matches over this month. So I could either see him cutting that off or him losing another match. And I think he's going to lose. I think it's going to be Susumu. Interesting. I'm going with Shun. Yeah. And we'll talk about why later on in the show. How about that? Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Match seven is the Open the Twin Gate Championship no disqualification match as I'm going to call them Big E because you know, that's how they've been working the name for these two. But uh, Big R Shimizu and, and Ada. Now I just realized that's the guy in WWE. Why did I do that? They're no it, longer. No, this is now Canon Biggie. This is who Biggie is. <laughs> if you'd is... like to refer to, if you'd like to refer to New Day Biggie, you call him New Day Biggie Langston. Yes. And this is Biggie. This is Aton and Big R Shimizu have taken over this intellectual property. Right. Yeah. We're we're, we're giving uh, uh, or they should give back Biggie Langston his last name. He's back to Biggie Langston. So this is Biggie, and they're making their V one against the Natural Vibes team. Of KZ and Genki Horiguchi, of course, has been the big storyline of the month outside of Yamato and Benkei. Has been Genki getting all these wins by the uh, backslide from heaven. But he's also lost his cool a whole lot. And Ada has declared that there is going to be a big surprise. I don't think he used Naruki Doi's. There are things that are happening backstage that you would not believe. But it was something along the same lines. That there's a big surprise that's going to happen around this twin gate match so case should we should should we first talk about the surprise or should we talk about the match itself let's talk about the match first because i've got some statistics i'm gonna read you all right let's get Uh, into it but this this is stuck in my mind it's one of those things i've got to get it out just before and this is off topic and it's gonna take 30 seconds and we're just gonna have to get through it because i don't have a platform to talk about world wrestling entertainment anywhere else okay but do you remember when the Stephanie McMahon branded women's revolution started evolution or revolution? I'm not sure which one. And they started giving the women last names again, because for a while it was just Charlotte and they had all like, it was um, just Eve and just all these just faceless, barely have a first name women in the company for so long. And then it was Charlotte flair and then Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch came through the ranks and Stephanie McMahon founded women's wrestling from there. And I find it so odd that over the past like four years, they've stripped away parts of the names of the men's wrestlers. And now it is Ali and it is Elias and it is Tozawa. And it's so dumb. And I'm so happy that I don't have to discuss main roster problems. But that one just, we said Biggie Langston and it got in my head that it is really stupid that they do that. And I had to mention it. But now, for the Twin Gate match, I've got some stats for you. Because what I would like from this match, I'll give my prediction to start. I don't think it's going to happen, but I would love Genki Horiguchi and KZ to win this match. Not because I think Ata and Big R are a bad team, but because I think it would be far more interesting for them to win. And I think part of that is because since November of 2013 which was the first time that Ata and T-Hawk won the Twin Gate belts. There have been 18 different Twin Gate champions. And of those 18 reigns, eight of them have featured either Ata, Big R Shimizu, or now both of them. 
through the teams of T-Hawk and Ata, T-Hawk and Shimizu, Big Ben, and now Ata and Big R Shimizu. So we're looking at a generation of Twin Gate reigns that have been, uh, that have had parts of this championship team in them. And while they're both good wrestlers, I just don't care as much. Whereas KZ and Horiguchi would be something drastically different because it came to my attention that Genki Horiguchi is only a two-time open the uh, open the Twin Gate champion. And you think about how often he's been a Brave Gate title holder, how much he's in the Triangle Gate picture. He's only been a Twin Gate champion twice. Not since 2011 has he held the belts with Ryo Saito. So for that reason, mixed with the rage and aggression that Horiguchi has shown this month, they are my pick to win. His other title reign was with Marahai Sapa too, right? They yes, were... yeah. But both both of his reigns have been with Ryo Saito. It's so interesting because I feel like that the this last like nine weeks has been Ada finally becoming the big picture heel that they've desperately have wanted him to be over the last kind of the entirety of his career, to be honest. I mean Yeah, if... that's fair. I mean, if he was able to be this level of a heel in Millennials, they wouldn't have bothered treating Millennials that way in Breakup, and they would have kept him in Berserk versus pulling him over to Over Generation. Is that fair to say? I think that's fair. So we're seeing, I think this is like some of the best heel work he's done. He's taken some Marty Skrull and Zack Sabre Jr. kind of style to him and keeping himself still kind of sleazy, and it's just been working great for him. And... Shimizu is Shimizu. You know, he's he's a guy that is the absolute boy. He is I I did really enjoy him and uh him and Ada's kind of tour where they were going to Macau and Thailand and Shimizu somehow managed to like just eat nonstop and I heard somewhere that they were afraid that he would put on ten kilos over the whole entire trip. But he's just he he's Shimizu. He's one of the best wrestlers in the world and he's one of the best tag team wrestlers and trios wrestlers in the world even more so and then you have like this kz and ginky horiguchi team which for me you, you look at natural vibes which for a lot of ways is members of the jimmies plus just random assorted people here but ginky horiguchi and kz like, KZ has had a team with with uh, Punch Omanaga. It was very, like, low-key theme, but they, they've teamed together in the past. Him and Yashi, I mean, they've always kind of been like, oh, yeah, we two, we two have a similar personality. And then you have, you have Ginky Horiguchi, who is only really, his only big team was the 3 Saito. And now the two of them have a, a title here. I just think that this is like an... The, the, there's going to be the big shock, and that big shock is going to mean that Big E retain. Like, I, I can't talk myself into thinking Ginky Horiguchi and KZ win this match, even though I think it'll be really exciting for them to do so. I don't know. The, it, there's Well, the, there's that. I mean, your, your logic is much more sound than mine. I mean, mm-hmm. if, I, if I'm asking myself deep down, a Big E is winning this match, and that is also in due part to what I'm assuming is going to be a post-match presentation of whatever Ata's teasing, which I guess we can get into that now. Right. Uh, is it safe to say it's a new member? Is that safe to say? It is. I've looked at this kind of uh, 
two ways. It's a new member of some fashion, either being a, a Gaijin or a native member, or they're going to like declare war on a unit. I think it's one of those two things, and I think it's much more likely it's going to be a new member of R.E.D. So, yeah. Yeah. So, there are some names out there. Um, Hayao Watanabe is clearly unhappy in Mochizuki Dojo. It's clear he doesn't want to team with Kaisuke Okuda, and he's seen the success to an extent that Shun Skywalker has had since leaving the dojo. So, Watanabe has to be at the mix, and if they lose the Triangle Gate match, he might vault into being my favorite for this position. Um, I th- I've got two wild cards before I get to my realistic one. Uh, wild card one being Shuji Kondo, uh, who was rumored to come in last year. That ended up being uh, Kazuma Sakamoto, who came in instead, which was out. a bummer. <laughs> it was a bummer at the time, but it worked out. Um, the other one, and this is this is pure speculation, but we have both heard that Rich Swan's name has been popping up just around Dragon Gate a little bit more. Uh, it's been six years since he's been over. Um, from 2011 to 2013, Swan was basically a full-time roster member. I mean, he he was more active than Pac and Ricochet even were at one point uh, right. in Japan. Um, but, you know, went away, got signed um has since you know moved to impact wrestling um doesn't have a huge presence in the u.s independent wrestling world at this current stage and it just wouldn't shock me if rich swan was the one that ended up here that would be a weird fit seeing a heel rich swan anywhere but especially in dragon game but i at least think it's a name to float out there to see what happens unfortunately I think the realistic answer is Brother Yashi. Right. Yeah. Um, Yashi has, you know, has history with this current heel unit. He was a member of Berserk, uh, and to an extent, Antios. I believe he crossed into that lineage. Um, and also, you know, we, we raved about this Genki Horiguchi angle on the Kyoto KBS Hall show. That match, he was teaming with Brother Yashi, and during the entire brawl uh, that we mentioned that goes through intermission that's on the floor, it's this wild and chaotic brawl, and Brother Yashi is very careful to not aid in Horiguchi's attempt at chaos. Um, He's holding back Yasushi Kondo at one point, uh, almost playing defense in a way, but he's never on the aggressive. He's never one of the attackers, and that just kind of stuck with me. Is like, well, he's going to be out there. It's a natural vibes match. They can do a dramatic turn, have him turn on KZ and have him or have him turn on Horiguchi and have Horiguchi get pinned. And I just I think that's the way it's going to go, which is a bummer because there are a lot more exciting options out there. But Yashi right now for me is the front runner. Yeah, uh, I think that just addressing Yashi at, at the top, Yashi is someone that has lineage he when he joined natural vibes he said hey i was supposed to be a member of antios but y'all stopped calling me but that essentially was what one of his justifications for joining natural vibes he is someone that since he returned and joined natural vibes he's made a big deal of hey so i'm actually doing signings and stuff like this because the heels traditionally do not do signings or work the merch stand enjoy this while you can because y'all know that eventually i'm going to turn on them so, there's those things that are going on, while 
this big beatdown happened in Kyoto. And it was so different and unique that it just seems like that you, you were right. There were some times where, like, he, like, would, like, hand Ginky chairs, but it wasn't like he was attacking. And he was kind of, in some, like, laying him blow off scene, but in some way trying to pull him back, you know? So Yeah, absolutely. Yashi is the obvious, at least to me, he's the obvious top person. Kyo Watanabe, I think, is someone that, when you look at the rest of Mochizuki Dojo, I mean, I already talked about how Kyo, how Okuda fits in, Keisuke Okuda fits in so well with Mochizuki. Uh, Kota Minonora, he's just now crossier. He's fine being like this. And our poor Yuki Yoshioka, for such a great wrestler he is, I can't tell you a single thing about his personality. Can you? No, I mean, he's... Uh, we he's said before, he's he's well he's wrestler he's this generation Susumu Yokozuka which right. is not a bad thing to be by any means but you know Susumu doesn't want to do the damn dance yeah. and he he's upset that he has to do the dance and I think Yoshioka's career is going to be in a very similar path you know put me in whatever colors you want have me team with whoever you want ring the bell let me wrestle yeah yeah D- don't make me dance but yeah, yeah don't make me dance but Hio Watanabe has always been when you look at the initial members of that class of 2016, he's someone that was the more colorful member. I mean, I'm going to completely disregard Shin Skywalker's original gear and mask just because we all should forget transgressions we made as young youngsters and mistakes we made fashion-wise. But that is true. He always had the leopard print thing. He always talked about wanting to be a division star in the Brave Gate division. And he's also made a point of that... He has had been a very much a character-focused person. He's he was someone that basically during the uh, the lead up to that rookies versus veteran match basically played himself like a complete and utter prick. So we've already seen that he can be heel. So I think that that's he's my number two after that. Kondo, I would love Kondo back in the company full time. Don't get me wrong, and having him and. R.E.D. would be the exact kind of jolt in the arm that they need without Pac being around. But it's just hard for him being, you know, full-time with Russell 1, being the trainer and booker of Russell 1. That's just a whole lot for him to do. And Rich Swan, I mean, he's always going to be a possibility. I did hear when he first, like, was released, and there was talk last year about him coming over, and then kind of died down. But, I mean, I could see it happening. The other... I mean, the other turns I could see, uh, I mean, KZ's not turning, Ginky's not going to turn. It, it, it's Susumu's really... not going to turn. If punch, I mean, if, if punch turns, who gives a shit? Yeah, 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 punch turns, yeah. something like that. So, so yeah, I, it really comes back to those four guys. So, it'll be interesting. And then, of course, you know, the one other thing is they could, they could pull someone in from Tribe. They could get UT to turn and join straight up coming back from his injury against well, that Tribe. would that would be, would be fantastic I mean, that's not something i haven't thought about but that that is something that's my curveball. Uh, yeah i would be all in on that and i think that's because the the condo thing is a pure pipe dream not going to happen but his you know he's someone that is always going to be mentioned when this type of stuff comes right. up the, the ut pipe dream is a much more realistic version of that uh it would be different it would be exciting and i don't see that happening but i would be more than okay if it happened the other reason why I think it would be a good thing is that means that you'd have Tri Vanguard versus Red, and we need to do something about Tri Vanguard. I've been saying Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So yeah. All right. 
I think we've covered that as well as we can. Let's get to the main event. It is real, real quick. I, okay. I, I do want to mention one more thing, loosely related to the match, but you know, RED is bringing in a new member, um, or at least we think they are, and it should be noted. Um, you know, la- last month we came on here post world, and I talked about how uh, it didn't surprise me that Pac came back to Dragon Gate uh, before any other company. That Pac has quite honestly served Dragon Gate to the best of his abilities. Um, and his future with the company was up in the air post Kobe world, but I believed he was going to be sticking around. Uh, recently the gate of origin poster was released. That's the show on September 1st and Pac is not on the poster. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you know anything about dragon gate posters, uh, you've got your featured players, you know, up top, you know, these big images of them, but everyone in the company is featured on the promoter on the, on the poster rather. Um, and these are, are items that aren't necessarily updated super quickly. Um, I believe Ricochet was being advertised on all Drangate events, uh, whether he was in the country or not, and whether he was working for New Japan or not, kind of until he finally left for good. Um, so the fact that he's not on the poster is telling. Um, I I don't have any official word at this time. I'm, I'm working, I'm trying to figure some things out, uh, but it should at least be noted that Pac was not on this tour, his name was not mentioned, and he's not on the Skate of Origin poster, whereas, you know, Kai and Ryo Saito and the Strong Machines and whoever else are, and, you know, they're not exactly featured players. Yeah, and the thing to note also about these posters are that there is the usual, like, annual or biannual poster that is basically your featured guys in, they they get, like, a mid, a medium shot, then larger headshots of, of a bunch of guys and then a bunch of just small headshots so Pac is still mentioned on the one that's been out all year it's the same poster they've done all year it's called the dragon gate pro wrestling 20th anniversary poster the gate of origin one he's off of and i he was he's on the dangerous gate one but of course he's not on the card but that's also as a poster that i think first i saw the dangerous gate poster june maybe like i remember seeing this poster a while yeah, yeah, that while. sounds right. Yeah, and it's also worth noting that uh, some of these posters have Oji Shiba on it. Of course, that's Katoka's younger brother. And then some of the posters don't. So he was someone that, when we were talking about people that were going to return and were on the shelf, they said that he would be around the time of Kobe World, but he was not at Kobe World, and he is not on... I'm looking at the Danger Skate poster right now. He's not on that poster, and he's not on the Gate of Origin poster as well. So, I think I I don't I've not heard official word, but I think it's reasonable to say that thing that OG is out of the company. So, the main yeah. event. Well, main main event time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I don't know if I really call that too much of a bummer though, because OG really had like two months before he got injured. He was fun, but he's you know it was he, very fun. Yeah, but he's injured, and he looks like he's going to maybe hang out with Katoka at his gym. Good for him. But main event. Open the Dreamgate Championship match. It is the V1 for Benkei against Yamato. Uh, without saying uh, just straight up uh, your, your win, what's your percentage of Benkei winning versus Yamato winning? Because I think like we're both going to say Benkei should win, but what's your percentage? I'm 60-40 in favor of Benkei. Right. I'm 60-40. And I can't... It's not 50-50... But man, I can't discredit Yamato that much. Right. I'm about 80 20. I'm 80 20 for this. 
Okay, all right. And there were, I think we should say the reasons why we can't discount Yamato. Dragon Gate likes pulling the rug out underneath someone when they're supposed to have their big ace run. So, and Yamato would be the perfect person to do that. And Yamato has done it mm-hmm. in 2013. You know, Shingo ends this this 19-month Shima reign right. that you know, he defends against the entire roster. It's built up to Kobe World 13. Shingo defeats him. The company is Shingo's. He's going to lead the charge. And a month later, he's rolled up in Cork and Hall, and Yamato is the new Open the Dreamgate champion. And that broke some people's brains when it happened. Uh, personally for me, I was a huge fan of the booking decision because I did not see it coming and I thought it was great. I would be much less of a fan if it happened here, but I can't rule it out. It's just, there's just too many things here, but at the same time that, that we all know that they're, they've built up Benkei for so long, but Yamato, since when he dropped that title to, to Misaki Mochizuki, He's not been around the title picture whatsoever. Like, in very much in a way that they wanted to kind of cool him off. So I find that real interesting, case That they, they cooled him off in that fashion while still having him be a major part of the company. So it made yeah, me... Yeah, it, it was needed. I mean, his his Dreamgate reign was Sucked. a failure. I mean, yeah, it, it was it was not good. And we kind of knew it at the time. And then in hindsight, yeah, I, I look at some of those cards... Like the like, 2017 was not a good year for the company. But I I look at like I was looking at some of the cards today. And I was like, oh my god, I don't remember this happening at all. And it's main events. It's Yamato matches. It's you know Yamato versus Masaki Mochizuki, which I guess was the match that Yamato lost the belt in. But yeah. I'm going, I don't I don't remember a single <laughs> thing about this match just because that had hit a point. Whereas like oh oh my god I gotta I gotta watch another thirty minute Yamato match and then I gotta write about it you know <laughs> I'd rather do anything else with my life um, but he's rebounded I mean when Yamato's on he's phenomenal I mean he's, he's really we haven't seen peak Yamato I think since 2016 since he won the title when you know 2014 15 16 we're talking about Yamato as he's, you know, he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. He's got the charisma. He's got the in-ring. He's got a world of potential. And the conversation really shifted after that Dreamgate reign. And he's just now kind of working himself back into the good graces of the Western fans. And I, I hope he delivers in this match uh, for his sake, but also for the sake of Ben K. And I hope they go out there and kill it. Uh, they better tease a Frankensteiner spot. That's what Yamato beat Shingo with six years ago. I, I will lose my mind at a 2.9 kick out of Ben K when he gets rolled up by the Frankensteiner. I think that's a must. Uh, you have to do that spot. And then I think Ben K pins him. I think he wins. Um, and then from there, I you know, I at some point we need to have the discussion about what comes next. Well, I think Shun Skywalker is beating Susumu Yokozuka, and I think Shun Skywalker is challenging Ben K for the belt, not at this show, but I think at Gate of Origin, we're going to see Skywalker and Ben K set up a Dream Gate match. Now, I could be wrong, and it, it's pure fantasy booking, but that's the direction I see this going in. Yeah, th- that seems to be the feud that's hanging over both those guys' heads, isn't it? I mean, Ben K... I guess he really could go up against Masato Yoshino and Naruki Doi and try to put down everyone in the past generation because they've made a reference about that into Gate of Origin. But 
really like the generational rivalry has to be him and Shun Skywalker just because of everyone else in the generations around him are just not that level yet. So, and the thing is that Ada is, so, is probably be the one that's closest to his age, Ada and Shimizu, but he's already surpassed them. So those would be the ones closer. So yeah, I could see that happen. And uh, I'm just going to lay out, because I feel like you did a great job kind of talking about Yamato and this and Benke here. Here's what my dream match would be. It would be about 14 minutes. And it would be 14 minutes. Uh, like the first few minutes of it would be the two of them just hauling off. Yamato goes on eth- offense. He tries to lock in the Dojima Sleeper. He goes for a Frankensteiner for that 2.99 that you talked about. And then we get headbutt, spear, spear, Benkei Bomb, Benkei Bomb. He puts him in the dirt. Like, we don't need this to be a 26-minute match. That was an issue I felt like I had with the POC trial changes. It was so long without there being a definitive end. So, yeah, I, I think that Benkei wins. They should keep this like a 14-15 minute sprint style match. They can do it. They had a great match at King of Gate. I'm just hoping that they have that match and not a match where Yamato's taking the show off. But, you know, that's not the only big match that's happening in a week period because they also have the Gate of Origin card. Before we move on to it, were there any other thoughts you had about... No, 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 no. You nailed that transition. Go ahead. Go, 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 go. (laughs) All right. So this is... Before we get into it, this is now their second true Gate of Origin show. It will be on the 1st of September. And... Miyagi and Sendai at the Sendai Sun Plaza. They are, there's only three matches announced. They they're doing the thing where they wait until we see after this show to set the rest of the card. Uh, Gate of Origin has kind of a weird position case. Uh, it's not the same level of your kind of B tier shows. It's not a Champion Gate. It's not really even a Memorial Gate. It's just kind of this special show that's right in the middle of like their hot months and it kind of breaks ideally this would be a little bit later so they could break up the difference between their big tokyo show and their big kansai show but they go up to sendai for this we have three matches the first match is a special trios match because they're in sendai for the second straight year they're going to have sendai girls representation as meiko sadamura dash chisako and chihiro hashimoto are going to go against uh, Nane Takahashi from Seedling and Yosuke San Maria and Hollywood Sakura Chichawa case. This is a uh, this is something. Yeah, I mean, I am the foremost Joshi expert uh, on <laughs> every platform. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm sure this will be great. I love Miko Satomura, and I know the names of the other competitors in this match. So that is that means they're good because I at least know the names of good Joshi wrestlers. So uh, I'm sure this will be interesting and I'm sure it'll be fun because stalkers in it. And he's probably going to eat a roundhouse from Miko Satomura and it's, it's going to be a blast. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll say this. Chihiro Hashimoto is a awesome wrestler. I saw her face off against the uh, fake psyop Sari with three E's. I'll say that here because I, I know that the Joshi listeners that listen to everything elite would, would get it up near here. So I feel like, I feel like that we're in trusted company here. Sari is a psyop. I'm convinced she is. And, but Chihiro Hashimoto is an incredible wrestler. I saw Dash Chisako when she did some Chikara dates. And of course, Nane Takahashi is a legend. Yeah, this is a strip comedy match that I feel like it's going to happen, which is going to be a shame just because I feel like that 
yeah, Maria, when Maria isn't doing comedy stuff, is a great wrestler. And Ichikawa, you know, he's the greatest comedy wrestler of all time. But if you're going to have Mako Satomura and Chihiro Hashimoto around, I'd want them to have like a serious match here rather versus a comedy match. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. The other match here, and this is a match that was, I believe, set up in... Was this in Kyoto that they set this one up? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a recent development, but it, it there has been an angle for this match. Yep, it is a special tag team match. The uh, They really should develop some sort of name for these two guys. Shin Skywalker and Benkei, they are going up against Doyoshi, Speed Muscle, Masato Yoshino, and Nariki Doi in a special tag team match because Benkei did not keep their mouth, their names out of his mouth. Yeah, so to me, this is this is going to be the launching pad for Skywalker, at least the way I think the booking is going, uh, to where he's going to get a pin on Yoshino or Doi, and then say, you know, Benkei, you beat me to the Dream Gate, but, you know, I'm going to have a longer reign than you. And then I think that's a realistic main event for Gate of Destiny, which is awesome to think, to think that this younger generation uh, can at least step up to the plate and, and try to knock one of these big shows out of the park. Uh, but, you know, like Mike mentioned earlier, you know, these Gate of Origin shows are a little odd. Uh, they, they're they crammed in there, and it's not an A show, but it's not a B show. It's somewhere in between. But this match, combined with the main event that we're going to talk about in just a second, I think this is what we should expect, or at least what I hope comes from these Gate of Origin shows, where you've got a match like this, which Speed Muscle versus Ben K and Shun Skywalker in Cork and Hall would be insane and the crowd would be into it and it would be a good time for all but it is it is a match that you can draw more money with uh because it it's going to draw more than 1600 fans and then you've got this main event that is going to draw and is nostalgia driven and you know Dragon has been around for 20 years now they can now cash in on some nostalgia and I think this is kind of going to be the direction of these shows going forward is a second tier main event match and a nostalgia draw. Here's some lapsed fans. Here's some new fans get in the building and, and watch what this company kind of represents. Yeah. And for speed muscle, this is the day now, as we've seen through like Naruki Doi and Masato Yoshino this year, that they have different priorities. They, didn't end up being like the big tag team that we were expecting when they were going to reunite in maximum. Like they had the uh, challenge against uh, against CK one, but that was really it. Like they they they've kind of been on a back burner. They've been willing to have Big Ben be the big tag team from the unit, and then also have just the others just do things. So it's interesting that this is happening. I think it's pretty. This is a big match that normally would be like a semi main event of a Corkin, to be honest. Like, well, I, I, at this point, I think it's a main event. Yeah. I mean, the, like like you just alluded to, you know, Speed Muscle, despite being in the same unit, the two-on-two Doyoshi tags do not happen often. And when they do, they're either on really small shows or they're on really big shows. I mean, we had the World 2017 match. They teamed one time last year in Cork and Hall last October and then, you know, I, they were just recently, I think, in, in the July Sambo Hall show, there was a, a two-on-two speed muscle match. But it's not something that we get often, and it's now, you know, something that they can use to, to draw some money with, and it's great to see. But I, I think semi-main of a Corkin is, is underselling this match. I mean, to me, this is a—it would be a dynamite 
super exciting Cork and main event, but it's a bigger match than that. Yeah, I guess I think that because I remember that the Cork uh, and last year was them versus Maraha Asapa. And that's why I was kind of like, okay, this is kind of weird in a way that they're doing this. So that's why I, I, I might have sounded a little bit too dismissive there. But yeah, no, this match, this definitely will be out of the three matches announced. This is the work rate match of this show. And it'll be interesting to see because, yeah, I do see the possibility that any one of these three guys, if Benke walks out of Oda City Gymnasium with the title, could be the next Dreamgate challenger. I mean, if you think about it, Doi's been in the cooler pretty much since he lost against Yoshi. He lost against Yamato and then had a title match against Yoshino. That really was kind of a weird one last year. Now that I think about it, Yoshino is always going to be a title challenger. And then, as you said about Shin Skywalker, so this is going to probably be one of the more consequential matches. I feel like, at least storyline wise, for the remainder of 2019, it'll be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. All right, the other match we know and. We have what looks like could honestly be like two work rate matches, especially if it's not a comedy Maria match in the first one. But it, it, in other cases, a comedy match, what would likely be a comedy match in Dragon Gate at least, a work rate match. And then we have this Dragon Gate 20th Anniversary Celebration Series Special eight man tag. I'm going to talk about the other eight first before we get into the special, the special part. One side is a tri-Vanguard team of Yamato, BB Hulk, Kai, and Kagatora, and they will be facing off against Dragon Kid, Ultimo Dragon, Great Sasuke, and Jinsei, and Jinsei Sasaki. Yeah, this is a <laughs> wild match. I mean, this is... Th- this is... I mean, th- but this is what the show should be, because you can't headline this at a Gate of Destiny or a Dangerous Gate. Um... But it's it's a match that is going to attract some people. And I love the Legends team on this, Dragon Kid included. It is a little bit of a shame that it's the Tri-Vanguard team they're facing, but I still think this match is going to be really good. It's just, it is just a very weird match. Yeah, it is. Of, of course, Kagatora has a history with both Sasuke and Shinsaki because after the split, he ended up in... Michinoku, Michinoku Pro and did some Kaitai Dojo as well. He he was in Kowloon in Michinoku Pro. And, you know, Kai is kind of the weird outlier here. We've talked a lot about Hulk's relationship with Ultimo. Yamato's kind of just been someone that he has done matches. Like, I know Sasuke came through and then Shinsaki. So that there is like a relationship, but not like a heavy one. It's just for like this area of the country as well. I mean, they're having this match and and Miyagi, which is a part of Tohoku, but it's one of like the more northern part of Tohoku. Like we're talking about, like this is as far north as it gets before you go over to Hokkaido. So like this is like when you're doing that part of the country, you have to bring in Great Sasuke and to bring in Jinsei Sasaki. Like they are like the legends of that area. So I find that all very interesting. I think this is an interesting match. I don't have very high hopes with this match because it's not just. Ultimo you're dealing with, you're dealing with Sa- Sa- Sasuke, who was not great when he had his last Dragon Gate appearance. Shinsaki was okay. When I've ever seen Shinsaki and I've seen him live, he's been exciting. But this is just a match that you kind of go like, well, it's going to put people in the building. This and having like Mako Satomura here will bring people in the building. It's just kind of a weird match and not necessarily a work rate match as well. At least in my opinion. No, no, I think that's fair. Yeah. 
but it'll be interesting to see what else gets put on the show. I remember last year, last year there was a Triangle Gate match, I want to say. I don't remember specifically. I know the first uh, show they had in Sendai that was not a Gate of Origin show had a title match of some sort, but I don't remember if it was Triangle or not. Do you remember? Uh, on on last year's Gate of Origin show? Yeah. Um, let's find out real quick on the Gate of Origin. So this was last year, and it was headlined by Yoshino against Takashi Yoshida. Uh, yeah, there were actually there were four title matches on this show. There was the Triangle Gate match of the National Vibes team against Kagatora, Ut, and Maria, who we talked about earlier. Oh yeah, that match was, was a lot of fun. That that match was great. Uh, there was a Brave Gate match that was not great with Ata against Punch Tamanaga, and then I totally forgot about this. There was a Twin Gate match, BB Hulk and Yamato. Do you want to guess their opponents real quick? Was this the Mochizuki Yoshioka match? No, that match ruled though uh yeah. no this was bb hulk and yamato against don fuji and ryo saito oh right yeah this was they were kind of playing up that they were gonna be a comedy thing and it didn't really yeah. happen <laughs> it did not did not work because remember this was originally a trio that's what's happened a couple of years ago and it was supposed to yes. be it was supposed to be uh, those two and kness but then kness broke because kness breaks so yeah no this was a God, yeah, no, this was a weird show. Now I think about it, because this was right after Antios ended, or that no, this was before Antios ended, was it? Uh, this would have been before, because I think they rebranded Gate of Destiny last year. Right, yeah, I always get it. No, no, they rebranded at. <sighs> yeah, no, no, oh, this is before no, Dangerous no. Gate. This is before Dangerous yeah, Gate. Yeah, because Dangerous Gate was in September last year. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dangerous Gate was a month. Uh, it, it was like September 24th last year, where uh, and then so Gate of Origin went before it. Right. Yeah, that's it. Okay. So yeah, this was like the last big match with Antios because I'm now looking at the show because this also had Shingo Takagi here. This was a uh, this was a wild show because also this one had Willie Max still in the promotion, and then the uh, comedy match was the uh, when the, when the, when Cassandra Miyagi who then became Andres Miyagi when she joined Stardom did a match with Masaki Mochizuki where she did not take a single bump the entire match. Do you remember that? That is a, that is a good payday. I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. It was like, oh, well, I had to show up for this. And I think, I want to say, like, Hyo, this is Hyo Watanabe came out on their side because Dash Sachioka, or Chisako was on their side. I don't remember that whatsoever. I don't remember Hyo being involved. And I feel like I would remember if Hyo was involved. Yeah, no, that sounds, that sounds like it could have happened, but I have no idea. Yeah, no, it was like, I'm right now looking at this because this is, this is just blowing my mind right now because you would think that my favorite current wrestler in Dragon Gate, I would remember him showing up in this match. Uh, da, 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 da. Mochizuki limited losing another match. Moch and uh, gee. yeah, there's nothing about, I don't know why they said Hio Watanabe was involved here, but yeah, no, this was a, this is like a interesting thing because I feel like that this show, they might have a twin gate match. There's There'll be time for a, a Brave Gate match here, you know, because there's no Brave Gate match at Dangerous Gate. So it'll be interesting to see how the rest of this card kind of falls through. I don't think there's any other big shows or any other tape shows between this and between Dangerous Gate and this. Unless no, no, it's, it's it's three house shows. Uh, the twenty uh, eighth, or uh, yeah, the twenty uh, eighth, twenty ninth, and thirtieth, I believe. Um, but those will not be filmed. Yeah. Okay. So, it'll be interesting to see. They'll release a card probably, 
I would, I would guess the 25th or 26th for the show. Uh, the, but before we finish up this episode, you wanted to take some time to talk about the really awesome Toriumon Vault match that or show that got put up this month at on Drangate Network, didn't you? Yeah. Um, you know, they've been doing this since the launch of the network, where every month we get a Toriumon upload, and it started with the inception of the company. And I know we kind of talked about it last uh, last time we were recorded of, you know, we were just about to get into the really good stuff. Right. And in August, we got to the really good stuff. <laughs> um, it started with there's uh, two matches on a show from August 15th, 2000 from Kobe Chicken George, which for for those that don't know, was a venue that housed basically B-tier Dragon Gate shows up through 2005, I think. But it's most most commonly associated with Tori Yuan. Uh, this venue with very small ring, really almost set up like the old Prime Zone arena. I mean, there were yeah. no seats, I believe. I believe it's all standing. Um, very just close quarters, small ring, and throughout the especially the Toriumon lineage there just a lot of great angles that happened throughout the entire promotion and it was always you know there to set up something at Cork and Hall or there to set up something on a bigger show uh what we got in this August upload is a match between uh Don Fuji, Shima and Sua against uh Genki Horiguchi, Dragon Kid and Saito uh who became Super Shisa and this is the best match I've ever seen in Kobe Chicken George. This match is off the walls good. The heat is unbelievable. And it's mainly Sua and Dragon Kid trying to kill each other. Because what would happen after this is uh, in Cork and Hall on August 24th. And we have almost this entire show on uh, uh, filmed. And it's on the network now in HD. Um, we get the mask versus hair match between Sua and Dragon Kid, which was other than the debut match and then maybe Shima versus Magnum from February of 99. This was kind of the first truly hype Toriumon match that uh, turned some heads. Um, and th this is a big match. Um, if you were on the ditch site, this was one of the matches that ditch really loved from the promotion. Um, it's one of those that people even outside of the Toriyuman Dragon Gate bubble have kind of pointed to this match as being one of the really good ones from the promotion. So there's that in HD. It's the best quality footage we've ever seen of this match. And then there's a match that is personally one of my favorite matches uh, of the entire Toriumon run. And that is the six-man match in the middle of the card. It is Mochizuki, uh, Kanda, and uh, Susumu. Uh, they wrestle Shima, Taru, and Don Fuji. And this was the start of what M2K, which, you know, this legendary unit in Toriumon, uh, this gimmick that they were doing called the Double Ringout Committee, <laughs> in which they were ruining these great matches by trying to end all of these matches in a double count out. And I know there are a lot of people uh, that, that were either around watching Toriyaman at the time or that have watched in hindsight that are not a fan of this and they do not like it because their job was to ruin these good matches. I am a huge fan of this gimmick. I think it is clever. I think it is brilliant. I love it. And I, 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 this match is still clipped because it's a 25 minute match and we get most of it, but we don't get all of it. I had seen an even shorter clipped version of this match, 
before on a on a Gaiora TV 2000 year in review show that I've got saved away somewhere. But I get a little bit more of it here. Like I said, this is one of my favorite matches in all of Toriyaman. The heat in this match is unbelievable, and it's just a different type of drama uh, because they're not going for pinfalls or submissions. Crazy Max at, at points gets thrown out of the ring and they're trying to survive. They're trying to get back in the ring and it's just, it completely just changes the structure of a wrestling match and it's a beautiful thing to see. So we've got those this month. Those are all on the network and those are going to stay. So if, you know, maybe you're listening to this at the end of the year, you want to binge watch, get some recommendations. Um, you've got your current recommendations, but this is going to be on the network probably until the network is no longer a thing. So it's there. Go watch it. Go study up on some Toriyumon because this is the really good stuff. And then because we're at the end of the month, I started looking around at what we might get for the September drop. And it's a little odd because Dragon Gate didn't run Corken Hall a ton in 2000, um, especially the latter half of the year. Right. Um, so there's a match at Kobe Chicken George, uh, that features Chocobal Kobe, Ryo Saito, and Saito um, against M2K, you know, Mochizuki, Susubo, and Kanda. Um, that's a match that I've seen clips of before. That was a really fun match. And then I'm going to assume, and I could be wrong, but I'm going to assume we get the October 1st Differ Ariake show, uh, which not only features a great match between Crazy Max and M2K, it features one of the greatest angles of the promotion of all time, which loosely I, it, the uh, Horiguchi intermission brawl kind of reminded me of this. Yeah. Uh, there is an angle where Chocobal Kobe is at his merch table and M2K confronts him and they hold him down and Masaki Moshizuki kicks him so hard that he breaks Chocobal Kobe's arm. And it is gruesome, and it is violent, and it is one of the best things the entire Dragon system has ever done. And that was filmed, I've seen it before, and I believe it will be on the September Toriyumon drop on the Dragon Gate Network. Yeah, this is a really special time in the time of Toriyumon Japan. This is right before they're about to launch. The next year, 2001, will become more known because then there will be a couple of... uh, lead-up matches like Toriyaman Japan still exists but a lot of people's focus kind of gets drawn over towards Toriyaman 2000 project at that time but there's just a lot of really great stuff uh just a couple things that I wanted to add in so Kobe Chicken George is this special venue also because I would kind of liken it to that it was the Kyoto KBS Hall of its time because I think that's fair yeah because size-wise it would uh a sellout at Chicken George was about 400 people and they would this is where like big storyline things would happen would happen at Kobe Chicken George it was a former punk club like which is like just a wild thing as well so that was a big thing about it I the version that I've watched of all this stuff not necessarily was presented in the same way but this is about the time that I, I have not had the time sadly to watch the exact posting that Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.